Fresh Breakfast. Monday to Friday, 5, 5 to 8 a.m. On Metro FM. Welcome to Fresh Breakfast. It is where you are at. It's Tuesday. We're talking fresh money. It's also World Population Day. Question we're asking, how does population numbers impact business and the economy? We see countries like China where citizen numbers are high, but so is production. Mm-hmm. Production levels uh, uh, also high. China's one of the world's big players in business and recently proved to be the home of more billionaires globally. Where do we sit? Are our population levels in this country a problem? With all due respect, of course. Please welcome Chief Economist at Standard Bank, Gulam Balim. Gulam, welcome back. Fresh high. Forgive me. I've got a little bit of a croaky voice, which is illness, not sleep, but forgive me. No, it's okay. Uh, money doesn't sleep either anyway. So. <laughs> Gulam, with the number of people that we have in the country right now, is that a good or a bad thing for our economy? So with reference to South Africa, as I'm sure your listeners will be aware, we have a population number of approximately 55 million. Yes. And related to that, we have a population growth rate of 1.7%. Now, 1.7%, we can even call it the fertility rate, is not an extraordinarily high rate. In fact, it is a a healthy rate. Um, Some would say that a rate of 2.1 is necessary for a population to continue to maintain the same level, not to shrink. But I think, if I may, the the theme of Population Day is more relevant from a global perspective. Yes. Fresh, I think you'll be you'll be astonished to learn as I I continue to be astonished. Between eighteen hundred and nineteen hundred, so that calendar period, a hundred years, the global population went from a mere one billion to one point six. So let me just say that again. In a hundred years up until nineteen hundred the population on the planet grew by 600 million to 1.6. Astonishingly, though, from 1900 to today, and that's just a little bit more than 100 years, right? Let's round up and say 120 years. The population has ballooned from 1.6 billion to 7.2 billion. So the real question surrounding population days, you have a situation where in the last century, You've had this astonishing growth in population, especially with respect to India, China, and over the next 40 years, Africa is going to become the most populous region, continent on the planet. And the question, therefore, and you you couched it very nicely at the beginning, China has been able to lift more than 800 million people out of poverty because of its focus on aggressive production growth, because of its focus on productivity so its large population hasn't been a curse. It's been, in a sense, been a blessing mm. for its economic towering position. In Africa, the challenge is, are we going to harness a population in excess of a billion that by 2050 is going to be 2 billion that is going to find jobs, be productive, and also meaningfully engaged? Or are we going to find ourselves with very substantial levels of unemployment and this level of population may actually suppress welfare, create um, tensions among society where inequality is present. So mm. it can be both a curse and a blessing. It's ultimately up to sound, stable politics that serves as a bedrock for good economic policies. 
that then can create the capacity for an economy to grow fast. And that, coming back to South Africa, is our problem. Our population is not so much the problem. Our population growth is not necessarily a challenge. However, we are bereft of political stability. Mm. We don't really have an economic program. And economic growth in South Africa is around about zero, which says if you got zero growth, but you have a population growth of 1.7. It says your population is growing faster than national income. That's sure. a rising inequality. Why are developing countries experiencing rapid population growth while so-called developed countries are growing more slowly or not at all? In fact, some countries are now even incentivizing people to have children. I mean, that's really a great question again, and it speaks in part to the median age um, distributed between various, let's say, developing and developed nations. So, for example, the median age of an African is about 19. And as you will imagine, at 19, one is more prone to be in the productive stages of one's family. Yes. The median age of an Asian is about 30, slightly higher, and the median age of a European is 40. So you're very right. In every single European country, their population growth has fallen below 2.1%, meaning they've fallen below the level to sustain their level of population. So the irony is you could argue, and this is a little bit crude, developing nations have got too many youth and developed nations have got too little youth. And so, in fact, you want immigration from the developed countries, and Africa could be included, from the developing countries, including Africa, to the developed world. So when you see Europeans putting up and attempting to stem immigration, it's actually absurd. Mm. Their populations are shrinking. They need Africa and Eastern European youth. Um, and uh, we, in fact, have, may have a surplus. What drives this uh, change in median age, as, as you've just mentioned, between Africa and Asia and developed countries like Europe? What is so at the core of that? So it's, it's just simply a function of historical population growth and also... As you will imagine, as families go up the income curve, as families become more established, there's a tendency, especially in the developed world, for for them to have smaller families, fewer children. So it's very rare, for example, in Europe, where you will find families of European descent and that may have been part of that fabric for, you know, let's call it decades, if not centuries, to today be having seven or eight or nine children. Mm. However, in many African countries, we still have astonishingly high fertility rates, sometimes in excess of 4%, meaning, um, you know, families that have children, four or five. And sometimes it's a function also of economic need. People tend to feel if we have many children, those children can grow to become supporters, crutch for the family. Mm. And so they're not seen as as a burden, but also as an investment. But I think the ideal is you probably want to have a lower level of fertility rate um, in many nations, in in African nations, combined with access to good health care. I guess just not to conclude, but to make the following point. In India, One of the things that contributed to improved development in villages, especially rural villages, was simply a decline in the fertility rate alongside, um, and the decline in fertility rate was simply a function of increased access to better health care. So women just were able to get better health care, and and, and that was profoundly shaping of the number of children that they have. And the second very significant determinant of family success was access to education. And I don't necessarily mean tertiary education, but even just up to, say, functional literacy, which we will call, say, grade 10, for example. That too, that combination of increased access to basic health care and basic education saw women's participation 
in the economy, in the market, increasing, mm. and therefore they also became contributors to welfare within their homes. That's exactly what I was saying earlier on, that if we, at a bare minimum, gave women better job opportunities, education, and a means to control their own reproduction, we'd actually start seeing a difference. And indeed, and look, it's a delicate question when you're talking about how many children a family can have, and, and that is, is tense. It has its, its delicateness about it. But as I say, you know, the historical evidence uh, has shown that when families are, are smaller in terms of the number of dependents that they have, when especially women um, are more healthier and educated, um, the stability of the family improves. Mm-hmm. So, so in that respect, one hopes that this renaissance that Africa has been able to enjoy over the last two decades, Admittedly, it's stuttered over the last few years, but you just want to have you know, politicians that continue to create macro stability, that continue to invest in roads, in education, in health facilities, and you know, people that can access rural areas to urban areas, you know, make markets for them. That can ultimately mean that you know, as, we, as Africa goes from about 1.2 billion people today to 2 billion, and just to highlight, and that'll be by 2050, and just fresh, if I may, by 2050, one in four of humanity will be African. That's an astonishing statement. In fact, the Chinese population as a share of world population will fall to around 15%. And similarly, India will be maybe 16 or 17% of world population. But Africa will rise to close to one quarter, 25% of all of humanity. So we, on this population day, world population day, have generally got to reflect on, on, we want African economies to be growing at 5 and 6%. Mm. We want better health care. We want better education. We want better family planning and family welfare choices. And, and so for Africa, perhaps this is a great day for, for a very strong reflection. Mm. On that note, we're going to close it. Uh, Gulam Balim, Chief Economist at Standard Bank, thanks always for your infinite wisdom, sir. Fresh Breakfast. Monday to Friday, 5, 5 to 8 a.m. on Metro FM.